Hello and welcome back to another episode of Fully Booked, the Hidden Gems author podcast in which Craig Touch and myself, Roland Hume, chat to some of the leading lights and interesting figures in this crazy industry we're in of writing and self-publishing or sometimes traditional publishing, which is kind of where we are with today's guest. We are hugely excited to have Alana Quintana Albertson with us, who has straddled both things uh traditional publishing and indie publishing and she's got something really exciting to talk about so we are delighted to have you alana thank you so much for joining us how are you doing today i'm great thank you so much for having having me i'm i'm so glad to be here um hidden gems was a huge part of my indie success so oh we always like to hear that and of course we wouldn't be here without the man himself craig touch the owner and founder of hidden gems and an author himself how are you doing today craig I'm doing great. Thanks, Roland. I'm really excited to have Lana on. This is something that we've been trying to do for a while because, as she said, we, we've we been working with Lana for a long time, and um, she's had this this big deal in the works and hasn't been able to sort of talk about everything. She still can't talk about absolutely everything, but she can talk about a lot. Um, and so, you know, basically, you know, she's got what the dream is for a lot of authors where she's sold the rights to um, to her, one of her books, to... Uh, to get developed into a uh, a series so let's talk about that first of all hi Alana <laughs> great <laughs> to meet you <laughs> finally um finally basically. I know yeah and that so tell us how this all went down you were you generally were indie of course um but uh for this particular book you went trad so let's talk first of like why why you did that and then um how that sort of led to uh you know this big deal that you've got yeah, um, absolutely. So I was always um, indie um, and I loved it. And I was, you know, making a lot of money and super successful um, as an indie author with uh, 29 books out. And um, but I always had an agent. I had an agent first. Um, and um, initially, way back in 2008, I had tried to sell a chiclet book. It was awful. Don't try to find it. It's maybe they're out there but anyway um and we didn't sell it and then i rewrote that book as a romance and that became my first indie book also didn't sell or another indie book didn't sell and then finally figured out what i was doing and i started having success um however um i i never you know my agent was always there and she would always say oh you know send me a book um but i was finding incredible success indie and so to me it made absolutely no sense um um to do it um but, you know, throughout the, you know, the, the indie grind, I mean, I, so like one of my books, Badass hit number three in that, all the Amazon charts. So that was amazing. And had a, a bunch of books in the top a hundred. Um, and so I, I was doing really well and I never felt tempted um, to go trad, but um, I started getting very interested in, you know, what you said, the author fantasy. I, I really wanted, you know, the, the fantasy of getting a movie made or a TV made. Right. So I had one indie series called Seven Deadly Seals that did incredibly well. And I wrote it as a serial. So I didn't write it as a book. I released it in little novellas and then I would box them and it sold so well. I had a print only deal um, for it. And then um, I had been accepted to a master's in TV writing class at Hedgebrook, which is the most incredible program for any women listening or watching. Um, it's an all women's writing retreat and um in Washington. Um, they called it a retreat. I call it a rehab. You have no internet. <laughs> Make your own fire. Like, it's very dramatic. And you're like, you don't realize how addicted you are. Like, you're sitting there, like, in a cabin and, like, you have nothing. You, like, call your family once a day. It's, like, very, very crazy. But um, in it, um, the showrunner of Homeland, which was my um, 
favorite, favorite show, edited my pilot for Seven Deadly Seals, um, um, Meredith Stein. And so I had this pilot for this, this book. And for context for this book, this book was the number two on Radish Fiction, which is a fiction app um, for two and a half years. I have like millions of sales on it. And um, I could not get it looked at by a TV producer, even though I had it edited by this Emmy um, Emmy Award win, um, winning TV showrunner. And so like, I kept trying to get a film agent. Um, and again, this was indie. Um, and But I did have um, a traditional print release and it was sold well. Um, and I, I couldn't get it looked at at all. And so, um, and this was really successful book for me and you know as successful as i think it could have been indie and it was just uh devastating for me because i couldn't even get it to the point where someone would say no i'm not gonna read it i mean no no it sucks like tell me it sucks but just like read it so um i thought you know maybe i should go trad and and my agent every year would check in and say hey do you want to send me a book and i would say no and i would i would just publish um and so anyway, I saw Crazy Rich Asians and um, I saw it, Not re- I, I read it later, but I, I saw the movie and I had this kind of like, like I was like crying in the theater. Everyone's like, what is wrong with that? I was like, had this visual reaction because it was a romance and it was amazing and this all Asian cast and it really like affected me. And I went home that night and I texted my agent and I said, I'm writing you, I'm Mexican, I'm half Mexican. Well, I consider myself Mexican, my mom's Mexican. And I said, I'm writing Crazy Rich Mexicans. Like I'm writing about Mexican um, joy and um, like, it's not gonna be like a, a trauma porn is, you know, like it's not gonna be a story about, you know, immigration or, you know, it's gonna be this fun, festive story, right? And of and so I told her that, and of course I still didn't write it because I had all these deadlines. I think I think I had arcs booked with you, you know, like I just like you know, so I didn't I didn't do it, but I had this idea for the story. So um, anyway, then the pandemic hit, and I had a little extra time, and um, so I just sat down one night, and once you have written as many books as I have, um, you you don't have to write the book to sell traditional. You only have to write it on spec. So I only had to write 50 pages. Um, and so I write really fast. So I um, I sat down one right night, wrote 50 pages of the book um, called Ramon and Julieta and um, sent it to my agent. And like by the next day, we had multiple offers. Uh, so we had like four offers. Um, and one of them was Montlake. And so as an indie author, <laughs> uh, you know, you're like Montlake. And then I got in the call and they said, we'll promote your backlist. And I was like, I'm going to die. Like, you know, that's just everything you want to hear. Um, and I, and, but, um, ultimately we went with Berkeley, um, because I felt like I'd already done everything that Montlake had done. Like what I was doing this for was to actually get the traditional publishing deal. Um, and as an indie author, this is completely humbling because you have no control. You can't pick anything, you know? And like, I'm like, we can write a prequel and we can make it free and then we can do it. And they're like, no, <laughs> I'm just like, wait, what? Like this is, let's do the art. Like everything that I can do, like I knew how to control how my release, I wasn't allowed to do. But anyway, so once I'm uh, back to the TV. So once the, um, the Publishers Weekly blurb was printed in, um, there's a thing called Publishers Weekly, where it's like the the list of the trad deals. And I recommend, there's a free version anyone can subscribe to, then the paid version is obviously better, but um, it lists every single solitary deal. And so my blurb was um, printed in, in, so I think the deal was in June, and then in July, the deal was um sent to this email. On that day, my agent got nine emails from random producers 
uh, wanting to read the book to see if it for film. So I'm like, but I, this is, I haven't written the book. I sold it on spec. I wrote 50 pages, right? And I can write, but all of a sudden I'm like, you know, all these producers are writing me and this is what I wanted. This is why I went trad, but I haven't written the book. So all of a sudden I like can't write, you know, I'm like, oh my gosh, I forgot how to write because now this is like my dream. And so I'm start stressing. Um, so I have to write the book. Um, and so I finally finished the book and um, my agent, my literary agent sends it to all of these producers. Of those nine producers, three of them at that point made offers. And that's in October of 20, 2020. Um, and so the first one, um, you know, I just didn't really vibe with him. I just didn't really see he had a vision. I was asking specific questions. You have calls with them. Um, the second one I loved, he had a big star attached who I loved, who I could see as the lead, um, in a vision of where, where to go with it. So I'm like, Hey, let's done. Like, you know, egg in the basket, let's go. Right. And then the third one was a film agent from William Morris. And so I'm thinking like, um, you know, why am I going to get rid of a deal that I actually think that I have that I can finally do it for like this maybe of a film agent who was amazing, but she was talking about these people she was going to send it to and everything. And, um, but um, ultimately I went with the film agent um, and I can stop for questions real quick and then we can go to the, to the, to the, to the next part. So yeah. So then at that point I signed with the film agent. So I still had my literary agent, but the film agent from William um, Morris was, was going to co- film agent with her um to get me more offers and that'll take me to the next part but i'll stop for that. <laughs> so sorry so the so it was like number two and number three sort of got together uh and and uh became what you signed with is that what i understood that? no 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 so there so there, oh. yeah offer number one didn't didn't go offer number two i loved and i really wanted to go with him and i really liked him but offer three was a film agent for william morris and they do packaging deals which i'm going to talk about more um so i i said no to number two and i, oh, okay. and I was convinced this was the biggest mistake of my life because at least this was a deal at least I was going to be optioned. I was going to whatever. And three was, I just have a film agent. Well, I already had a lead agent, right? So I thought maybe no one wanted it. And the film agent was then going to send it to other people later. This is October. So she didn't actually send it till February. So I was like just in agony. So I said no to one, no to two. And I, I signed with the film agent from uh, William Morris. So now I have a film agent from William Morris and my literary agent. Okay. So yeah, that is a whirlwind. So no, it was crazy. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think, you know, you and I were sort of talking throughout this whole process yeah, and I have no idea how long it all takes. I remember you telling me about, it. I'm like, let's talk about this. And you're like, oh yeah, I can't yet. And then it was like, yeah. oh, still can't, still can't, you know, cause yeah. and then you're telling me about the process. It's just, it's a long drawn out thing. Right. Um, I think that's one of the hardest things is, especially when you're indie, you're used to doing stuff and just like, you know, you know, people, you know, to the say, when's your TV show going to be on? I'm like, I don't know. Like at some point I'll know. And everyone, um, my new PR agent and she reps a bunch of people who have, um, TV shows. And it's like, all of a sudden they call you and you're like, oh, your show's up. You have to ear like what? Like, so it's just a fully different thing. And it, especially coming as an indie author where you have control with everything, you have zero control in this. And it's incredibly hard because these are your imaginary friends. These are your people, you know? So, so um, just sort of for some of the technical details so yeah. that people understand, like if you had gone with number two, that was a actual sort of like a deal to, to yes. get it done. And so that wasn't a film agent. So just so that we know, 
Um, you have this literary agent, and everyone knows you've got to pay your agents a certain 15. percent, right? And fifteen. Now you have a film agent, so you've right. got to pay them as well, right? Right, but they split it, so they would split. Um, so they each take seven point five percent. Okay, of so it's not deal. another fifteen. No, it's no. like so she's she partners with her for my deals, so it takes right. no more money out of me. But the potential, and the other thing, which was interesting, one of the things I wanted to talk about it is I was on at this roundtable. Um, at this amazing author con- um, uh, conference, and they were talking about all these other offers who had options, and they were all saying, oh, your options are really, really, really low m- monetarily-wise, and that was not my experience at all. Um, so lucky. Um, but um, And so I think that was the difference, the, f- the film agents. And so they were talking about, and these were huge authors, like bigger than me and whatever, and they were saying their options were like a 1,000 or, t- you know, whatever. Um, and I think the film agent is really, well, I'll, I'll talk about that in a second, but it was really what kind of boosted mine um, to the next level, so. Right, yeah, because the it probably, you know, if, if your literary agent had, I guess, made the deal with number two, maybe she's not as well-versed in that sort of negotiation, so you maybe wouldn't have got as much money then as if you have that film agent who could then, who knows how to negotiate those bigger deals, I guess, right? Um, well, I think it's it's more in terms of competition because so had I taken number two, I still would have had the offer from number one. So I would have just had two people and I would have picked two to go and they could just say, hey. And I mean, you know, as an author, you're so desperate to get it made into film and TV. Oh, I would have yeah. been like five bucks like here, you know, yeah, yeah, so yeah. That's one of the things <laughs> I'll, I'll talk about in a second. When they started getting me the bidding war, I was like, let's just like give it. I mean, like because it's just nuts, you know, and you don't want to f- you, you just want it done and you don't want to feel like you're losing yeah. it. That's you know, kind of like the lottery, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. so it's and it's kind of like a psychological game. But but um, any author who thinks about this, Hollywood's just a full different thing um it's like so weird um <laughs> like yeah, yeah it's i totally understand like i mean i would be the same way it was just like okay just take the deal you know <laughs> and then yeah whatever i'll yeah. pay you <laughs> like just get yeah. in me because like, then you know once you've done it on the second deal that's when you're going right. to get the big money anyway, that's so. exactly what i was thinking i'm like then <laughs> yeah. i can set being in my little office right now i just want something um, and like, I had a nervous breakdown between, um, not an actual one, but like, I was like, <laughs> between uh, uh, close, but between October and February, because I was like, I didn't sign this deal, which had the star that I loved attached to it, um, who I could totally see in it, in it. And um, I loved the producer. I loved everything. Like, I fully, he was an author too. And I'd read one of his, like, it was just like a fabulous conversation. And then I was like, I just gave this up for nothing. Um, you know, and then I was waiting um, for the film agent. And so, it, you know, it, it, it was it was hard. But that person can still come back in in February in the bidding war if they were still interested, I guess. I mean, they might yes. be gone. But yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the other. Uh, OK, so the book is 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 out now, right? Yeah, finally. Like, it's so weird with Indy because, like, I wrote it two years ago and it's finally out. And so, like, the second book I also wrote two years ago and it's not out yet. And it literally just kills me because it goes against my, you know, finish the book, press up. You know, like, I, it's so tough for me to have all these books written that are that aren't out. So. So, OK, so now there's the question of uh, so you have that book out now. When did it come out? February of of this year. So 2020. Okay. So, I mean, okay. 2020. 2022. Uh, yeah. yeah. So how, uh, you know, it's been a few months. How does it yeah. compare sales wise with your indies? So this is the weirdest thing for me. So I had this super delusional fantasy that it would like, you know, um, 
you know, uh, bump up on my backlist sales and everything like that. So number one, so sales are incredible, but they're 97% print. And as an indie girl, I'm all about my data. I was 97%, um, I was 97% ebook, right? 3% print. And so I like would mark, I mean, I have charts. I know exactly what, what I made and whatever. So the only uptick I've seen has been in my print. So now my prints, my, my indie prints are selling. The funniest thing to me is I'll get these for you. It's like, I love this debut book from this author. I hope she writes something else. I'm like, I got 29 other books. Like go on the Amazon, like Amazon today. I was listed to one of their eight authors, you know, on KDP. It's like a listing all these other books. So there isn't a crossover. And so trad, um, I mean, my PR team. So, I mean, I've, I've learned so much, but like I'm in, you know, airports and I'm in bookstores and it's kind of like this different audience versus the people who, you know, I was in KU. I was also wide. I mean, I did a lot of stuff. I was in Radish, but, um, you know, no one's buying my 999 ebook and I don't think you should don't buy a 999. But like, so if anything, they buy the print, right? Cause the print's 1299. So that's why a lot of indie authors. And I used to say, Oh, they're so stupid. They should price, you know, price it lower. They purposely price it high. So you buy the print because no one's buying 99 week by, you know, the print for a couple of dollars more. So it's just a totally different demographic. Um, so sales have been incredible. Um, I think I've sold over 10,000 copies, um, which I think is great. Um, and that's 97 print, um, 97% print. That's amazing. It's yep. so interesting to when you look look at that because I mean that's the the Achilles heel of the indie author is actually right. getting print sales. Right. But, yeah, and 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 so now it's totally changed how I think of my backlist and what I plan. I still I still consider myself. I don't think I've gone fully. I mean, I'm trad, but I plan to be hybrid again. But you know, there's contracts and there's rules. But what's so interesting is um like I've done literary festivals that I wasn't and I don't mean so indie authors you do author signings that's different. I've spoken at the Tucson Literary Festival um which I loved Las Vegas San Diego so like I go to these events I speak on panels like I do this stuff and then I sell books there so I'm doing a lot of um uh, also bookstores that never so I one of my books about us was number 3 in the entire Amazon store I'd sold so many copies of that one and I couldn't get it in bookstores like I would go and be like hey you know, can you list this? Here's the sales history. They're like, no, no, no. And so I'm in, you know, bookstores, all the bookstores, like I do signings every weekend in bookstores. And so, you know, I, I sign them and, and I bring my indie books. And I'm like, Hey, can I, you know, you know, sounds these, I wrote other books too. So it's that, that's the difference. Um, yeah. And it's, I mean, it's weird to me because you'd think that the overhead of uh, of a paperback is is higher. I mean, right. you know, like they've got to print it, they've got to ship it, they've got to you know stock it. Um, you'd think that they'd want to sell more ebooks, even at a cheaper price. And nine and nine versus uh, you know, I'm looking now, it's like thirteen thirty eight paperback yeah. is what it's listed, yeah. right? So it's like yeah. they could go lower, and I'm sure still make more profit, right? right? And I don't, I think they just, I don't know. It's like they're pushing against the ebook industry, even for their own sales, right? Because they just don't want it to succeed. They're still they don't want- they're yeah, still stuck like, in, you know? No, but like the biggest thing was for me was like, so I wrote this prologue. So I'm like just so indie that I wrote a prologue of the parents, right? And I wrote their full little ebook, right? Like, and I was like, okay, because it's kind of a, so it's a Romeo and Juliet thing, but their parents knew each other. Um, 
before. So I wrote their little story, right? And I'm like, let's release this as an ebook, right? Like, and I, this is it. And I'm like, let's, you know, do arcs on it. Like, let's get it free on BookBub and let's like lead. And they were like, no. And I was like, why? Like, the, I guarantee, like, if this works, like, and this, and I gave them data from huge authors who've done it who were like, you know, Mary Force did this, like other, you know, try, and they were like, no. And I was just like, but like, I can't. And so it, it's, it's very hard to go, um, indie to trad because you're always thinking i'm like oh so for the cover reveal we're doing this we're doing this we're doing this and it's like no <laughs> so what's what's your deal though with them is it like you you can't write anything in that same sort of world uh or that same sort of series unless it's with them is that how it works yeah so they have the rights to my next romance book and so they have been great and i have the most incredible agents one of the things was i was like i am going to um, still publish, um, indie. And so, um, my, I was allowed to publish a certain amount of books that I'd already had pre-order, um, before this book came out, but it's no book three months before and three months after the problem was, um, I was so swamped with this and with the TV stuff. I didn't have time to do it because, um, my indie process was write a horrible first draft, send it to my editors, my had great editors. So I don't, anyone want to think that my indie editors uh, were not good. They were incredible, but they would do one round of edits, possibly two. So they would fix my book, which was a nightmare. And then I would, you know, fix my book. And then I might, I'd send it to copy editing and I'd publish it. That is not how it is with trad. I've done my editor is a very intensive editor. It's really a partnership. We do, we've done like four rounds of developmental edits. So because of that, I haven't had the time uh, to release Cindy. So like I write the book, I send it to her. She sends it back to me. I rewrite the entire book. I send it to her. She said, so it's, it, it's just like more labor intensive. Um, and so, um, and then the other thing is I cannot uh, publish unless I've met all my deadlines, which obviously I need to meet my deadlines and I have, but like, you know, my third book is due in, in March. So it's like, I'm not allowed to publish because that book's not in. So it's like, it's kind of like a Jenga set. And so technically once they're all in, yes, I can publish, but then I'm in my three month before or after period. So, but I've written books, so it's funny. And then I, I think my fans don't get it. They're like, you've lied to us. You can't, you don't release your books. I have like 20 books on my computer. So like there might be this day and I'll be calling them like, Hey, can I have 20 arc dates? But like, I might have a window of a week. So like, they'll be like, what's wrong with this author? She released like 20 books in five days. That might be the only time I can release the books. Right. So people are going to be like, she's not, you know, but like, you have these windows and that's when you're allowed to do stuff. So it's very weird. So you're not locked in, in terms of like the, um, like the story, like you could actually, during that time, you could publish a prequel to this book if you want. Not to. at all. No, no, no. They own this, this. And especially now that I have the TV deal and the streamer deal. No, I can't do anything with okay. this. These they, own the are, they, they own this completely. And the only, th- anything slightly similar. Um, I will yeah. say these trap. My indie books are way more tropey, like classic romance, like Navy Seal, Prince, like just very like this. And this book really is kind of like, um, you know, it's just more of a kind of like cultural like book um, that's just kind of like it's also randomly third person. I don't know why all my indie books are first. <laughs> I started writing this one in third. I don't know. Maybe it helps me detach from that. But um, it's just a very different book. It's still a romance, but it's a very different book. Right. And then. OK, so now if. Uh like you don't have to give specific numbers, but um, yeah. you, tr- you track all this stuff. So I'm sure you're aware and you, the fact that you want to go back to Indy sort of probably answers this, but like, 
like I was saying before, with the, with the sales of this one versus your others, I, I get that there's not, it's a, sh- a shift of more paperbacks. But are you, A, selling uh, more or less copies of this uh, in the same sort of time period of, of sort of your other books? And B, are you making more or less money? Okay, great question. And people ask this all the time. So my deal was huge. So I made great money, um, especially with the um, the TV deal. And, yeah, excluding but, the TV deal. I mean, just the TV deal. book yes. sales. Yes, yeah. yes. So, so well, so I, no, so it was yes and no. You're paid in advance. I got a six-figure advance. Um, and so, um, but it's trad. So they split it, right? So you get like uh, a, a quarter of it when you sign, a quarter of it when um, you uh, not turn it in, but when they accept it, which is weird. So I write the, so that means they've accepted it for edits. And then you get a quarter of it when it releases and a quarter of it a year after it releases. And then a quarter of it when you start the second book and then a quarter of it when they accept the second book and then a quarter of it when you start the third. So it's like this huge thing. So um, money wise, it's doable, but it's not... um, I a, a couple things. I thought the amount would be um uh not more than indie but comparable um because initially we had the dates released as February 22, November 22, June 23 and they've pushed the book back print um because of printing delays, product issues, that kind of stuff. So now my book the first one February 20 22nd, the second book um is now June 2023. Now that was supposed to come out in November, right? And so I don't even have the date for my third book. So now that they've stretched my in my my deal, I I believe I'm going to make less than it because indie. I knew exactly what I was going to make because I would release four books a year and then I would do my backlist and I would have this thing. Um. So yeah. So I believe I'm making. It's the same amount, but they've stretched it and you have no control over the dates. And so that's that's horrible. <laughs> What, so in terms of the raw uh, number of sales, how what are we looking at there? Is it it's less uh, for that same sort of time period as previous as other books? Like how many? No, copies? well, I mean, I have had some really really big sales sellers. So I've I've sold like ten thousand um, sales of this, and it's ninety seven percent print. So for a book, um, it's so different though because depending on the other books, whether it was in KU or with radish and bonuses, so it's like hard to quantify um, that. Um, you know, I had books that definitely. <clears throat> um made this amount of money alone or more um but then i would have total flops so like it kind of averaged out you know so um so it's comparable um but you have more freedom indie so how to explain this let's say i had a bad flop like of an indie book so like i have one really good one bad I knew exactly what to do. I knew exactly, okay, well, I'm going to do this in my best-selling series. I'll write a prequel. I knew how to do it. And I knew how to get that number up. And I knew how to make sure that my income maintained a certain level or I'd pulse it in and out of KU or I'd get a book fab or whatever. And I don't have any of that control anymore. Um, And so um, you just have less control. Like you just, you know, you're waiting for them to give you a date to release it. And that's when you get paid. Um, uh, the money is great though, Trad. It's just stretched and you can't control it and you can't do things to supplement your income. Right. So, but the 10,000 units that you've moved is sort of comparable to other books just uh, before it was more eBooks. Not, I mean, on average, right? There's been some big successes. On, on average, on average. Yeah. I have some huge bestsellers, um, you know, yeah. Yeah. So. Okay. All right. So let's go back to the story then. So where we left off, you've uh, okay. You so it's October the... and I'm having a panic attack, and it's ready. And so they're like, 
well, we, we're not, we don't want to um, um, send it out to sale until the election's over, right? So, like, we're waiting for the election. They're like, okay, well, we're going to send it right after the election. So, I'm like, cool. And they're like, actually, we don't want to send it until after Christmas. So, I'm like, just can't even handle it anymore. Because I'm like, I gave up my deal. I'm never going to have one. I'm like, whatever. So, it's January. They're like, oh, we're going to send it out soon. It's like February. So, she, on, in February, um, my film agent sends me this list, which is literally, like, the whole who's who's of Hollywood. Like, I'm, like, fangirling, like, can't even believe it, of, like these 30 huge names that I'm just like, this is a joke, right? This is like, you're punking me, right? Um, of people that send it to. And I'm like, this is like, okay, this is ridiculous. Like, this is ridiculous. I should have taken the one deal. None of these people are going to read my book or whatever. So then she sends it to them. And like, all I do, she's like, are these names okay with you? I'm like, uh, yeah, like, you know, and uh, so from that list, and like, I'm just dying. Cause I'm just like, I can't even you know, b- believe it. And then from this list, I get five offers um, of, and they're incredible. And then the minute they realize they're in some type of bidding war situation, one of the offers drops and then I have four offers. Um, and um, two of the offers are film, um, one, the huge head of a f- huge studio and I love him. Um, and then the other one, uh, my favorite actress who I literally like had written it for. And then, um, one of the TV, my other favorite actress who I was just obsessed with. And then the the other TV was like the guy who did like two of the hugest franchises ever. And so I'm just like, okay, so they're like, now you're going to have these phone calls with these people and you're not allowed to fangirl. Like they're supposed to be impressing you. And so I was so mad because it was during the pandemic. Had this not been the pandemic, like I think I would have gone there and I, you know, have then had lunch and things like that. So I'm like on zoom with these people and I'm just like, I like can't handle it. Like they're, I'm just like, ah! like screen and I'm not, I'm like, so they're supposed to be like interviewing with me. And so they're talking to me about their visions of the book and everything. Um, and like, I mean, it's just nuts. Like it's, it's nuts. So they have all their calls with me. Um, and, and so it's like, they're back to back these calls. And then I talk to the film agent. It's like this huge thing. And then, then they all make their offers and all of their offers were like amazing. Um, and then the minute, and then my film agent's like, okay, well now we're going to counter. Right. So she counters with this like obscene number and I'm just like, what are you doing? You know, just like take, like, like I would like, and just ridiculous like things in, in it. And, um, and so then I, we're waiting for the counters and then we get them. And then I can't decide because, you know, it came down to me for um, the TV person who like I just adored. And then the film guy who I loved and I felt like had the vision and like had done some, some of my favorite movies. And, you know, he was like, oh, I'm going to spend so much money on your opening scene. I mean, just like ridiculous stuff, you know, and I'm. I had written it as a movie. I had written it in a really three act structure. I'd seen his movie again. It was from like crazy rich Asians that I wanted something like that. And, um, but the TV people really convinced they go like Bridgerton had just come out and they were like, look at the fandom and look what it does. And this is where it's at. And, you know, we don't at the TV theaters were, or the movie theaters were shut at this point. And they were like, you don't want the movie on streaming. Cause like, it'll happen in the end. You're going to get some residual, but nothing like Bridgerton. And, um, I was like, I hadn't written it as a TV show, um, but I'd taken that TV writing class and whatever. So I go with the TV people who I just love, um, but it was the hardest decision. Um, so I, I signed with them 
And I'm like, so excited. And they're amazing. Um, and they immediately like involve me and everything. And they're like, Hey, you know, we're going to find the dream showrunner. So they give me a list of like these just incredible names. And, um, we got the number one person on her list, which we couldn't even believe we got her because she's just huge and she's just so incredible. Um, and so then we got our showrunner signed on and then her contract took forever. So I'm like sitting there waiting and waiting. It's like August or whatever. And so then I have a call with her and she's amazing and she totally gets everything. And then they tell me once she's locked on and whatever, that they're going to go to the, um, the streamers. I'm going to start presenting it to all the streamers. So then they have meetings with all the streamers, like all the names. And I'm just like looking at my email and whatever. And then I get an an email saying that, you know, the best streamer wants it. Um, And then we wait and we wait and we wait. And two months later, we finally get the email saying they committed to it. And then now, um, and then they, so they pay me for the option and then they paid me, they extended the option, which is what they did. um, And that was in September. And now we're just waiting to go into development. Um, And that should be sometime. (laughs) I don't know. So I'm like, it's just like nuts. So that's where we're at. That's awesome. I, so you ended up getting the, the how many episodes is it? So you got the series deal with a streamer who is unnamed, but in your opinion, the best one. Um, yeah. And, and uh, so, so you have a number. And, and I think in a lot of ways, that's great because, you know, a lot of times I see a movie based on a book. I've read the book already. I mean, they have to cut so much, right? Because fitting it into a two hour movie or less. Whereas if you have a streaming deal, you can really fit in. Uh, far more of the book, I would think, than if you uh, if you had to cut it down two hours. Like, I mean, if each episode is an hour or forty five right. minutes or whatever, and you have five or six episodes. So, how many episodes do you have? And and, I, and are you the one writing the um the like all the all the episodes, or do they did they hire somebody to do that? Yeah, great, amazing question. So, um, uh, so luckily, yeah, absolutely, and that's why. So, so book one is season one, book two is season two. So it's like a Bridgerton. Book three is season three. I'm only under a contract for book for three books, um, and you know, so hopefully, I'll have a contract for four, five, and six, which will be season four, five, and six. Um, so I am an executive producer. Um, I think that's the name only. I don't have a clue like <laughs> what that means. Like. I don't know. I'm like, hey, um, and I, I have the option of possibly being in the writer's room, um, which is my fantasy. Um, and I'm so I'm hoping so again, that hasn't been finalized, but but we but that's my dream. I have heard not from my my people because they're incredible, but other authors who have had shows on the streamer that like, you know, w- with the TV show, n- no one wants the author. <laughs> The room, right? Where like, <laughs> actually, Ramon wouldn't say that. I know that because I just asked him because I am him, right? Like, no one wants us there, right? Because these are our imaginary friends. Like, we're the worst nightmare. But I promise to behave and, you know, just sit there and, like, you know, smile and only speak when spoken to. So I'm hoping to be in the writer's room. And I, I have been um, told that that's a possibility that I did not have any part in the pilot. But I've also been told my pilot is my exact book and it ends at the, like, they followed it, like, very, very close. So I'm super thrilled about that. Um, so number of episodes, I think we said eight to 10. And again, that'll be finalized by the, by the network. Um, and, um, and yeah, so book one, season one, I mean, book two, season two, book three, season three onward. So, uh, I mean, that, that so must you're... be really difficult to like, have to watch your baby being picked apart by other writers. Yeah, no, I mean, and, and, and to be in the room when they're like, oh, actually like, you know, whatever. And you're just like, you're like, ah. Um, and again, that hasn't happened to me yet. Um, love uh, the showrunner, you know, loves the source material, and luckily her pilot, you know, s- s- stuck to it. 
Um, but, um, you know, I think one of the things I learned in the TV writing class I took up at Hedgebrook, you know, is that I feel like you just kind of have to divorce yourself from the project. Like, like, I don't feel like I know anything about TV writing. I don't feel like, I feel like I'm a novelist. Right. And so it, you know, it's like, you know, it's fine for me to be like, Hey, you know, this is your stuff. And that, you know, just to try to, you know, tune it out because obviously you want the best representation of your stuff, but these people know what they're doing. It's a fully different industry and I don't, and it's kind of exciting to see like all the different things that they're going to come, come up with. Um, so I'm just totally humbled um, for that experience. And some writers who have had this, who's also like um, Tom Perota, who wrote Election and Little Children, uh, they had a similar thing. So he was like, you know, they 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 did the adaptation and whatever. And then eventually he was in the show, he was in the writer's room of one of his shows. And then they eventually gave him a show. He was a showrunner of Leftovers. So that's a career trajectory that I would be completely open to. However, I'd also be happy just, you know, being a novelist, depending on how it goes. So I'm just like open to all the possibilities. Um, the writer's room that I did at Hedgebrook, and again, it was like a mock, but you know, she conducted it like a real writer's room. Like it's intense. Like she, you know, um, the showrunner, uh, who taught that class, um, again, she did Homeland. Um, but like, they're asking you questions and it's like, you know, it's just like this, such a cool vibe. And if you think, as an author, we're just like alone in a room writing, right? Like it's this, you know, I've got my coffee and like, I've got this like thing. And so to kind of sit there, we have all these people give you feedback, like edits at an early stage. I think it'll be a really cool, humbling experience. So I'm hoping that I get that opportunity. So. Yeah, I, I think that'd be great. I think it's one thing though, to, um, you know, if they, they're pitching different ideas about how to, you know, can do a scene or whatever. Whereas if they were like, I don't like this character, you know, if you have to hear that kind of thing and it's like, like, yeah, you don't like yeah, me? that might be harder. Right. Um, so do you have any sort of like, uh, say or veto power? Like if, if something comes in and you don't like, it and you're like, no, that's terrible. Like, will you be able to do anything? I mean, obviously you can give your opinion, but they can also ignore it. So like, do you have any sort of uh, power. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I do. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And so it was in my, my contract. So yeah, I do have power. Um, I don't really plan to exercise it. Um, though <laughs> I, mean, I really am kind of in the Zen state that this is just like, I feel like this is like winning the lottery. And so I'm just like happy to let it the, the I mean, the, there are a few hills I'll die on, but I have complete and total utter fit. I mean, my showrunner, uh, is just like, yeah, she has like the top shows on, um, the top streamer and uh, two two of them. And um, I'm just so in awe of her, of her work. And so I, I feel like she just fully gets it. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm. So, and, and they, so they, they, the streamer is the one that optioned uh, for the, or at least the, the deal was that um, for three books you said, right? Um, well, so no, so, I mean, it's a possible, so but, yeah, they have the option for the first one. They've extended the option for the second one. They have the option to option that. And that is the thing. And that's the plan of the three to possible six. But none of that happens until they decide and whatever. But it's, it's again, it's like a Bridgerton thing. But yeah, they, they yeah. So. so after each season, they determine whether or not there is uh, enough viewership to go forward. And then at that point, they have the option to go forward. And, right. and no one else. I can't sell to anyone else until it runs out. Like, yeah. And so they... 
they had to reoption this because they had 18 months. And so, you know, when they reoption, you get paid again. So that's like the, I mean, you're like hoping they don't meet the deadline. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. You're like, like, I'm like, oh my gosh, do not turn in that script. Like, don't answer your emails, right? So, because you want to get paid again. Um, Because if they can't get it done in those um 18 months. And I did like reserve certain rights. Like I have a, you know, to get my EGOT. No, I'm, I'm not I, I, like, I have a fantasy of getting, uh, of turning it into a Broadway musical. Um, and so like, I, you know, I'm trying to, you know, reserve, reserve stuff for, um, different things. Awesome. And then, okay. So, uh, so the option, the first one, the reoption, and just so people understand what that it, means, they, they basically are paying you for the right to do something with it at some point, but they don't know yet. But uh, you can't give it to anyone else. And then when it expires, so they could, but they re-option it. So they pay you again for another 18 months or whatever. Exactly. Um, so what they've done with book two and three, then, if I understand, is they've just basically haven't optioned it, but they said that we have the right to be the first ones to option. Right. And that no one else can option it because they have right. the character. So it's like, it's, yeah, so they have it, but they don't have right. it. So they, they don't, don't have to pay you for that. No, they until don't. They okay. Yeah. Um, and I but, haven't said- about to send them book too so yeah right and i mean you know it's uh, it's pretty rare that you would see a series come on one streamer no. and then not do well and then go to another streamer i mean it, i guess it happens but very rarely yeah. Right? yeah so um yeah i mean that is like super super exciting so you know do you have um so you you said i think you said that you had somebody really big uh is attached to it as well right huge yeah she's massive huge. yeah Definitely, like, uh, the biggest, li- yeah, actress. Uh, biggest and and actress. that's for the lead? And she's directing it. And so she's 100% oh. directing it, and she's producing it. But I don't know if she's producing it the way I'm producing it, or if she, like, but she's producing it also. And then um, she may or may not um, star in it. I would love for her to star in it. Um, and, again, we're working – all that will be finalized later. She's 100% directing it. Um, and she also has an incredibly good relationship with the streamer, so – do you have any say in the casting? Like, are you allowed to like uh, veto? Yeah. 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 That's but, great. So, yeah. and then like, do you think I would be good for a lead role since you're. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. We can, yeah, yeah. We can all, we can all come in. We'll, we'll fly us down to the writer's room. It's so, it's so funny. Yeah. People always say, Oh, would do you want to be in it? Like I have zero desire to be in it. I don't know why. Like I, I, yes, I would love to be in the writer's room, but I have like, no, I don't know. I've never wanted to be on camera. Like I just, just not my thing. Um, total writer, like whatever. Um, but, but yeah. And, and the best thing that I'm excited cause it's a San Diego book. So, you know, it'll be filmed, you know, in San Diego. And so like, that's just so exciting for me. Um, so I'm, and it's, uh, yeah, I mean, they, the the team's incredible um producers you know are just so awesome so i just can't even believe it so you wouldn't even want to do a walk on stan lee kind of role where you're just like coming i mean i probably will i probably will but i like don't really want to i don't know maybe i'll put my dog in it or something i don't know i just it's 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 kind of weird i mean you know and i know like stephanie meyer and did but I, i don't know it's just not i i want i would much rather write it so yeah no that that's amazing I think one of the things I love about this is your your concept. It seems really strong. It's like I love Crazy Rich Asians. I found that yeah. like such an interesting movie to watch because it's it's right. like a whole different world, except it's familiar and the characters are ones that resonate with me. And I'm kind of I'm already stoked about this as a as a as a show because it's like 
crazy rich Mexicans. It's as you said, it's really exciting to have something about Mexican culture that isn't about being smuggled by coyotes across the border or how tough it is here or whatever. It's like it's uh, it's exciting and positive and and fresh. Yeah, I teach a class for authors called Breakout Book, and one of the things I talk about is like doing something new or you know familiar but fresh i mean i'm never telling people to plagiarize or copy or anything like that but to me watching crazy rich asians was like a religious experiment it was just so joyous and beautiful and everything and yes so culture is not mine um but it's so relatable and then i was thinking like yeah so like a lot of the mexican and so when when i was looking at mexican um um, depictions of stuff and in hollywood you know you know with the exception of selena which is you know this complete tragedy and she's almost a madonna culture like uh figure in our in our culture you know we have it's like you know the drug dealers you know what i mean and like the full controversy with american dirt which don't get me started on that's a full other podcast um (laughs) we could talk about but it was like i wanted to see like you know you know because i you know in la jolla so where i have the book which is in san diego like i was like have you ever gone to to la jolla like it's called crazy rich mexicans like you know like the lifestyles and so i i made it in this accessible and that's what hollywood wants and so hollywood wants something that they understand but with a fresh take and so we were kind of sick in the latina industry it's like what we say like all of our depictions are trauma porn right so uh, maids, drug dealers, whatever. And not that that's not part of our cu- culture. And I have family members, you know, who, well, you know, but like you, you, I wanted to show this joyous celebration and mine's really a celebration of like the mindset around day of the dead. And so, you know, but it's, it's a joyous occasion. And so they're, they're remembering their loved ones and it's dancing and food and music and everything like that. So it's what I really wanted it to be. And I wanted that feeling and this is nothing like my indie books. My indie books were very tropey, you know, and so, which they were great, but they were totally different. Um, so, yeah. do, uh, do you have any thoughts about, or any idea about when it would be uh, done? Like, I mean, you they've written the pilot, you said, right? And I don't even know how it works. Do they write all the episodes before they start pre- uh, filming or... No, so basically the pilot will get, so uh, the pilot will be approved. um, And so that's what, you know, you're waiting for. And then you go into development. The minute you go into development, they set the writer's room, which hopefully I'll be in. Um, but if not, that's fine. And then they'll, and so then they, they, they cast the writer's room, which this one's very exciting because there are not that many Latina shows. Um, and so that, that's one of the reasons we think that we were successful. So like there are currently no Latina shows on any tell, I mean, everything has been canceled. Um, so like, uh, so, you know, to have this writer's room, so then they set the writer's room, then they do the casting and then we start filming and then I'll have dates and stuff like that. I mean, I had initially thought, and again, this stuff and you and I have been talking about this, you know, forever, but. In 20, I thought it would be out by now. Um, so clearly that's not happening. I thought it'd be out next year. I don't think that's happening. I'm hoping, you know, 23, you know, I'm just praying they'll announce it so I can start, you know, specifically saying things. And I really want that tie-in cover with like the actors and the sticker, like seen on stream. You know what yes. I mean? That's all I want. Like I, cause it's to me, I'm, I'm, you know, thinking of ways to market it. So that's, you know, what I want. And I want to be able to, um, talk you know freely and then you know get pictures of the actors holding my book and like all that kind of stuff so um but yeah are you uh responsible for doing a lot of the marketing or is the trad publisher taking any of that on no so that's the most interesting thing of this all um was yeah i mean i had to fight tooth and nail to get your arcs like i had to go through like four <laughs> meetings to do it because you know they were like oh well, we send it we only do netflix in our neck alley and i'm like this works this is how like they were like oh we want to sell your book not get more 
Like this is not giving the books away. This is like, it was like this huge thing, you know? So no. So I have an in-house um, publicity, uh, publicity and marketing team. And then I also have a private um, uh, uh, PR agents also. Um, so it's totally different. Like it's completely different. Um, and I have no control over anything. That must be very frustrating. It's uh, it's so awful for me. I mean, they're wonderful. I love my team and they're all incredible. But just to come from like, we're trying to do the cover reveal for the second book. And I'm like, okay, we'd like this and that. Like, and it's, you just, and I know like what works. Like I know I'm like, well, but see this. And they're like, oh, well, this is how we do it. Right. And so it's, it's tough. It's tough. It's tough to come. I think it would be, and it's my friends who are just trads who are in this like discord group of of other berkeley authors and so it's like you know they just kind of oh you know we we do this or should we have a newsletter i'm like yes like get a newsletter like i can't you know what i mean and you know so it's just such a different experience for me um you know but they've been amazing like the first draft of the cover i despised and i was like i'm not releasing the book like i will just cancel the deal and the option like i don't even care but you know they came to bat for me and we got a new cover designer so like there's certain things i will total diva out for and be like i just refuse like you know and there's but um my editor's been incredible my agent always has my back the, everyone's amazing but i have no control um and so um i mean they listen to me. it's not like they sh- they shut me down but they you know it's a different market so i let them do their job yeah, I mean they're supposedly the experts, right? So right. <laughs> you gotta you gotta at least go through the process once to see if it works right. their way before right, you right. can really, you know. Yeah, no, I get right. it. Um, okay, well, listen, we're I mean we're, I know we're coming up to the end here, but um, I think once the deal is like announced and you can talk about who the streamer is, and maybe some of the people that are attached and all that stuff, we'll, you know, we'll definitely have you back on. Um, but I think you know in the future too. If you do get into the writer's room, I think that would be a fascinating that's, thing to talk about. Right? That's exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's exactly something. what I want to talk about. Like if, you know, the next time if I'm in the writer's room, I want to really explain to everyone what, what that's like um, as the author. And, um, and you know, when the, one of the main reasons, and I'm so glad to talk about first time, you know, on, on your podcast, YouTube thing is that. I really want to like kind of demystify this because when I was an author, I mean, I'm still an author, but this was my fantasy and no one would talk about it. And now all of a sudden I'd see someone have a TV show. I'm like, how did that happen? Like what happened? And it seemed like this, this kind of thing. And I had no clue. And I would Google and be like, how could I get this done for myself? Um, so my top tips for you guys, if you want to get it, unfortunately, I have now indie people. I love it. Yes. Some indie books get it like a BB Easton. Of course she got it. And then some indie books are also required by passion flicks. So yes, there are some pathways for indie books to be um, made. For me, that did not work for me. And I I really had the sales to back it up and I couldn't get in that room. Um, For me, this is why I went trad. So um, one of the things that I say, like, you know, you can keep writing in your series. You can keep being indie. You can keep doing it. But if you have this idea that you think can do it, consider going trad as kind of like a Hail Mary pass. Now, I could have done this and not have this turned out this way. And then I wouldn't regret it at all. Um, you know, there's zero guarantee on that at all. But to me, this is why I went trad. And of course, experience working with additional publishers has been amazing. And I've learned so much stuff. But this was like my pipe dream that I thought this is the only way I believe this could be a movie. Um, now it's a TV show, but um, I, I want to do this. So That's amazing. What an amazing story. What an inspirational story. 
hopefully there are lots of people watching because i know my personal dream is like i'd love my romance series to be picked up as a as a netflix show but and so or an amazon prime show or whatever show so it's amazing to meet somebody who's seen that actually happen and i think it's going to be very inspiring to a lot of people listening yeah thank i thank you so much i mean i think it's everyone's dream and uh, the one thing i want to say is it can absolutely happen like it just it's all about timing i'm not dissing my writing or anyone else's it's kind of like that perfect kind of thing and of of you need to be looking at what sales um option wise and what's on tv um and look at publishers weekly because they announced the film options and the tv options they announced mine and see what they're what they're doing and you want to make and again not copying at all but you want your stuff to be what's uniquely you um, that nobody else has, you know, um, and then something it's Hollywood, right? So they want this. That's why they keep remaking the same sequels over again. So they want something familiar, um, but fresh. Right. And so you have to kind of find, so it's everything like, and think of the top stops. So it's like, uh, uh, one of the uh, a book Cinder was like, you know, uh, Cinderella, but um, Chinese and with cyborgs or like my friend, the love who wrote the live hypothesis. She just got a film deal. Ali Hazelwood. Um, her book was, you know, what if Kylo, Kylo Ren and um, it's like a, it's a Kylo, Kylo and Ray uh, fan fiction. Right. But she put it in, a, in a, she's a scientist. So she put it in. A uh, yeah. Yeah. And she's, she's a great friend of mine. So, you know, and mine is, okay, well, crazy rich Mexicans. Right. So like, you know, set with like Romeo and Juliet taco wars. So you're trying to get something to mash it up. Um, again, hunger games, like, you know, a war, but reality TV. Right. So, um, think like that. Like the elevator pitch, right. You wanted to the elevator to pitch is a one yeah. line pitch, the one line pitch. Um, yeah. And that's, that's, I wrote my pitch before I wrote one word, of the book. Um, I can read it real quick if it, it helps anyone. Um, so this was before I wrote one word, this is what I wrote. Um, Alana Albertson's Ramonin, who I like hadn't even written it. And this is actually what was published in Publishers Weekly that got me all the agents. Um, I mean, all the info. Alana Albertson's Ramonin Julieta, an unvoiced, an own voices contemporary romance, pitched Latin crazy rich Asians meets you. On Day of the Dead, realize they are the children of bitter, bitter rivals when a wealthy businessman shows up to take over a star chef's award winning seat to table taqueria. And so I wrote that. And then I wrote the 50 pages. So I, I write the pitch. I write the pitch for my book before I write a word. And I still do that to this day. That's very good advice. I often, the advice, best advice I ever give that I never take myself is write the blurb before you write the book. Right. Right. Because you have to see yeah. the uh, conflict the and more... you have to know in that. Yeah. And we know that with marketing, yeah. right? So if you have that, you can, everything else goes there. So blurb first. Well, well, unfortunately, we have come up to the top of the hour, so we're going to have to wrap things up. I don't. I'm Craig, and I will have to, to discuss and invite you. I mean, obviously, you're going to come back and tell us more in the future. It's been wonderful we'll come back talking to you. Yes, love you. Yes. <laughs> now, um, to anybody watching this, where can they find out more about uh, you as an author and your books and everything like that? Um, so yeah, they can go to my website or on Amazon. Um, and then I also I teach classes for authors. I teach how to write a breakout book class. Um, and a million of like Instagram news, a million other, um, author classes. So yeah. And then i spend most of my time on Instagram. I'm trying to go to TikTok cause it's better, but it's a struggle. So for now I'll stay in Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's wonderful. Alana, thank you so much for joining so us. Much. And if, uh, 
anybody watching this or listening to this has appreciated what Alana has to say, make sure you drop a comment down below and give her a shout out. Craig, do you have anything uh, else to say before we wrap up? No, I mean, it's been, uh, this episode has been a whirlwind, just like the whole, uh, <laughs> just like the whole deal, right? So uh, obviously we're really excited to hear more about it. And um, we, as soon as we can, we'll, we'll get you back on. And, um, and you know, all the authors want to hear this kind of story. This is, like we said, it's the dream. This is what everyone works towards or a lot of people work towards. Uh, so hearing how you got it done is going to be inspirational and it's going to give people, especially, you know, you gave some tips. So it's going to be great for, for other people to do the same thing. So thanks so much for being so open and sharing everything with us. Of course. Thank you so much. And I'm again, I love Hidden Gems. Um, they were key part of my success. Indie always had the arcs and everything. So, yeah. Well, thank you so much, Alana. We really, really appreciate you uh, joining us. And uh, yeah, make sure, as I said, leave a comment for Alana down below. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe, hit that like button. I think there's a bell that you can press to make sure you get notified of every new episode we have. And Craig and I will be back next week with a new guest for another episode of Fully Booked. So stay tuned until then. Bye-bye.